Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, John Douglas and John McCabe join Stuart Charles to discuss management coming out of drought or near drought conditions on farm. So John is dealing with a scenario where we're really trying to build from nothing. Uh, and then I suppose John McCabe is covering, the, the, working on the Arevo Joint Programme in the western side of the country, covering Galway, Mayo, uh, Sligo, Leitrim, Donegal, that kind of area. Um, and obviously they have a very different picture up there where they have gotten a lot more rain. Indeed, John, you were telling me earlier on in the year, it was uh, even tricky enough at the start of the summer because of ground conditions, uh, which wasn't something that we were suffering with down in the south at the time. So, um, but again, I suppose, uh, and John, you'll pick up on it in a minute, like even though things are going well, people are a little bit behind target, even uh, with good growth conditions. So you're going to pick up on that in a minute. But first, John, John Douglas will come to you uh, in terms of the, the angle from the dry side of the house, we say, so there's... Uh, a lot of farms, I suppose, since probably around the 15th or 16th of August, depending on whether they got rain or not, um, have either gone ticked along a little bit, I suppose, or, or have actually fallen off a cliff almost, uh, depending on whether they got the rain or not. Um, so you're just going to pick up on a few points there, I suppose. Uh, we're f- fingers crossed now everywhere and toes and everything that we will get rain at the weekend, uh, albeit looking like it could be very heavy downpours and stuff like that. But... We'll take anything that's coming in the short term. Uh, what's that going to mean for us, John, um, then as well, going forward in terms of building cover? What, what are we going to do around management, etc.? So you have a few slides that you're going to share with us there, and then we'll have a conversation around them after that. Yeah, thanks, Stuart. Yeah, sure. Look, it's a, a varying degree. It's like, it's like any time when we get into drought. Uh, you know, a lot some parts of the country, even the drought-stricken areas, do get some, you know, some heavier soils even within the, those areas might grow on a little bit. Uh, and even what I've seen there in the last week is that, and I, I don't know, it's possibly something to do with the grass moving from that reproductive state where maybe it's under a lot of pressure to try to produce a seed head. Um, it's sort of changed now, maybe back to vegetative. And it has, even in drought-stricken areas, has actually greened up a little bit. There's a bit of a greening coming, and I'm not saying there's any more much feed on the on the ground, but it gives me it gives me good, um, uh, I suppose, hope that when the, when the rain does come uh, at the weekend, whatever level of rain we get, um, that it should, you know, kick on a bit quicker. That it's not, it's not going to grow off a, a dead looking base. Yeah. You know, it's it, it should have a little bit more of a of a kick to it. So that's that's a positive, I suppose. If we can take if I can take something from it, but yeah. Um. So look, growth rates have been have been have been dropping. Um. Sure. Look, I'm I'm based. Um. Well, sorry, I'm living in in Wicklow, and I cover sort of Leinster region. So I get to see a lot of well, maybe the drier areas of the country. And you know, for a lot of a lot of areas, like have got very little significant rainfall. Probably even even during July, some areas might not have got much rainfall. So, you know, we're we're looking at um, we're looking at a, a case where soil moisture deficits now uh, are gone. You know, between fifty five and eighty, I think was the report at the weather at the weekend. But I'd say like their general guidelines. You know, some farms are probably even gone beyond that, and that's where you talk about farm cover, uh, the level of grass on the farm. Has dropped off, dropped off a cliff, and you know the typical grass growth that we would see maybe in in four or five days of recovery usually is taking maybe three or four weeks to grow. Do you know that sort of way? So it's it's really um it's really um bad in some instances. Okay, um, 
But yeah, look, we, we will move on anyway. So grass growth and predicted grass growth, yeah, as I said, soil moisture deficits are high. So I suppose maybe I should explain that. So basically that's taken in the top f- four inches or the top 100 mil, uh, you know, and if you had 100 mil uh, soil moisture deficit, basically there's no moisture in the top four inches. So obviously, you know, plants can't really survive with, without that, especially the shadow rooting plants. But if we're talking about, you know, 55 to 80. Uh, once we go over 50, the growth does drop so you know it, between maybe 25 and 50 of a side moisture deficit instead of growing 60s 70s you might be back down to 40s 50s but then like once it goes over 50 of a side moisture deficit you know you could go back down to you know maybe the 20s or something like that and depending on the intensity of the heat and the sunshine i suppose um and you know even this week we've got a lot of you know some of the days earlier on in the week you know they were very hot and heavy going like uh, we were down in Johnstown Castle there yesterday I even got a bit of burnt myself <laughs> and so you know so it was intense um so but the, the side temperatures are above normal which is good if we're going to get rain that means that we should get a little bit of a of a kick um so it's, and it is possible I suppose with that rain maybe we get some some good sunshine as well so that'll that'll help drive growth a little bit but look, growth is varying anywhere from somewhere even below 10 on farms up to even even farms that are, you know, have high soil moisture deficits. Some of them have grown 30s, 40s in the last week. And I think that's something to do with maybe that greening effect that I was talking about, maybe a change transition. And there are also farmers are putting it down to a lot of heavy dews over the last couple of weeks as well. I suppose as the even times are starting to cool down, we're getting these heavy dews and maybe putting some some of it down, down to that. So we can see here the predicted... I got to get my mouse here. I've lost my mouse. Um, it's just over the map for me. Sorry. Um, yeah. So the predicted there for for Lancer for next week, based on uh rainfall, I suppose of you know between between one to two inches in a lot of cases, based on that rainfall, Leinster is sort of predicted about thirty four. So look, as a guide. You know, for farms that are, are growing in around 10, 15, there probably will be a jump in growth next week after the after the rain. But as to the extent of that, it's going to vary a lot depending on the rainfall. And that's why it's making it so hard to predict at the minute. You know, so. Yeah. And like John, I suppose, will people be a bit surprised maybe even to see that there's a suggestion that we'll say the average growth now, it's very important to point out the average growth for Munster is 45 for this week. Like it's. Like yeah, hard, that's, hard that, that's for the that's for the predicted with the rainfall, Stuart. So yeah, you know, it, that's based off the the data that we have from weather models. Look, we we all know that they can change as well. So if they if that has changed, well then the figure there on the screen will change. So, um, but even I suppose if you look at the the grass growth over the last week, Stuart, it's up up thirty something. You know, but like that's that's taken areas maybe you know Munster takes in some heavy ground. I suppose along the west coast as well. Uh, and areas of the of the southwest that, that have got a good bit of rainfall, I think, are, are are sufficient rainfall, we'll say, to grow grass. So, you know, you're you're mixing the two of them there, yeah. But, yeah uh, so, John, I suppose uh, moving on then and looking at, we'll say, I suppose the impact of drought in previous years and what what's it likely to do this year? I suppose everybody's expecting a bounce, but is that something yeah. that we can actually expect? Like, yeah. So if we look, the green line here is this year, right? Uh, last year is the red line um the average long-term average is the blue and that gray line there i suppose just for reference is 2018 because i suppose we we compare drought years it's nearly all compared to 2018 really that was the big one so 
you know, like if we're looking at even this year over the long term average, like it's only maybe a period in May where it really got above the line, maybe perhaps for a week in July as well. So every uh, look for the rest of the time has actually been below the long term average. And a lot of that's probably related to side moisture deficits, side moisture deficits throughout the summertime. Um, but I suppose what we can see with uh, 2018, you know, by this stage, first um, of September, you know, we nearly recovered back to normal with terms of growth rates. I mean, you know, a lot of people think 2018 finished up a really, really strong growth in the back end. But as we can see there, it, it's only just about normal. So we didn't get we didn't get a huge kick. Maybe it was a fact that there was nothing really growing all summer. And then we got such, you know, a growth then that made it made, made an illusion that a group was growing more. Also, I'd say the thing was there was great, great ground conditions in the back end of 2018, which made it possible to actually graze for longer for some farmers. Uh, and the, the swords, because they had been clean bare, I suppose, they were very leafy. So, you know, the, the utilization of the grass on swords might have been higher as well. So that, that would make the grass um, last a bit longer, you know. So if we look at this year, like we're already... Um, I suppose we were we were starting to we were starting to drop this year when 2018 was starting to perk up, do you know. Yeah. So we're we're and we're still dropping. Obviously, in some in some cases, uh, well, probably most cases we're still dropping. Um, so you know where does that lead us now? You know, it's it's if you look at that graph, you're saying Jesus, the back end's going to be very short, you know. And you know, are we going to get a big kick and a big bounce? You know, and thing every well things are are against us. So you know the the possibilities or the potential to get a big kick are diminishing. I suppose every every week really. So and, and the other side of it, I suppose, John, is the kick is really just actually a recovery to normal growth levels in reality. Like yeah, exactly. Like it's it's not it's not going to grow. Like I know last September was a was a was the one of the one of the roadiest September's probably we ever had. It grew more grass in September than it did in May. Um, you know, this year is it looking like that? No, it's not because we, you know, we're, we're not going to get rain. Maybe you know, it's not going to start kicking in for maybe a week's time. You know, you're a week down before you even begin. So, and the side moisture deficits are still going to be high, even with one to two um, inches of rain. If we do get it, they're still going to be high. Okay, so yeah, um, and I suppose this is what you're going to show here now is with, uh, the the difference between uh, twenty eighteen and twenty to uh, we'll say nineteen ninety five scenario. So. Yeah. The risk is that we actually get the rain the coming week and we go back to dry conditions potentially, whereas it was quite fair, favorable as people will be able to see there by your chart in terms of that there was rainfall throughout August and throughout September and October in 2018 as well, which kept the kept the fuel to, in the tank basically to try continue to grow out. Yeah. Yeah, we had um we had, um, you know, from even from the water quality samples, like there was a lot of, you know, nitrogen even in the in the water and stuff. And like a lot of that would have came more from the background nitrogen release from the soil rather than maybe fertilizer put on. Although that would have um, that would have contributed to it definitely. Um, but I suppose people have been more judicious this year, I suppose as well with fertilizer. We've probably come to that a bit later on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if we look at twenty eighteen, you can see it's on a par with with our long term average. So there was no real. Um, there's no real big kick, I suppose, if you like to call it. And as you say, the kick was basically getting back to normal. Uh, but that was based on a lot of rainfall throughout throughout August to get us back there by September. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I think the next one then is um is the, the next is, one is probably is the doomsday scenario, John. I suppose is that. Yeah. So this is taken from Moor Park in ninety ninety five. So we can see the the measuring grass has come back a long way if we look at it. So. If we're looking at um here like there was rainfall in late July 
I'm not even sure. I don't think this year we got much rainfall in late July, so we're probably we're probably even a little bit behind ninety five if, if you like. Maybe we got a bit more rain in August in certain places. Uh, maybe a bit more to, than the seven mil. So, but there was very very little during August. This was in ninety five. You know, they got a, it. looks like it's actually working out similar in terms of. You know, the end of this week there will there there will be rain, or into this weekend and early next week there will be rain. So by mid September, possibly could have you know sort of fifteen mils again, twenty mils, hopefully a bit more. Uh, you know, long term average again isn't looking look, looking hectic for for us for now for the rainfall. Um, so it's looking similar to ninety five, and if we just if we, we which basically we're all basing this on the moisture is the limiting factor, okay? And we probably you know we'd all agree it is. We have plenty of light. With plenty of heat there's probably plenty of nutrients in the soil it's just a moisture issue so if we're looking here at the peak um it came on the 21st of october um back in 95 and it grew 27. okay now we, we obviously would hope with the, the the advances we've made in grass breeding that you know we have reseeds that are, are, are fresh seeds that would be you know capable of doing you know maybe one and a half times that but you're still only talking about maybe a peak of 40 you know yeah. Whereas, you know, on a, on a on a normal September, you're probably talking about growing 60s. You know, some farms will grow 40 for the whole of October. So we're, we're, we're maybe talking about it, maybe peaking at 40, you know, for a week or two. So you're, you're we're really, you know, I'm not painting a great picture here, I suppose, in terms of the grass supply for the autumn time. And I really think farmers need to plan now, um, you know, obviously based off where they are now, but and to how severe it would be, but definitely... A fodder budget is essential. It's not a necessity or a nice to have this year. I think it's a critical thing to have because it'll help make your decisions based on you know maybe what cows you're going to feed or what you're going to feed them, etc. So look, we will get we will get some response at some stage to moisture, but as I said, every week that goes by now, that kick or that bounce we're going to get from it uh, is going to is going to reduce. Yeah, so um, basically we're looking at trying to, all we're hoping to achieve in reality is that we will come back to the long-term average growth rate and the further out in the month that, that we go off to get to that, the lower that peak is going to be, basically. Yeah, yeah. So the, the best we could hope for is to get back to average, I think. Yeah, okay. So moving on there, John, because I know you've, you're going to yeah, have to turn a minute. Yeah, uh, yeah so but, we move on to this, the... question, this question has come up a bit now. Um, so there's people saying, uh, Justin Cochran is after that, saying that given that there was fertilizer probably sprayed maybe in anticipation of rain in places and it didn't come um, and it's not fully, more than likely not fully utilized, is there merit in holding off? Or what's the, the, the best advice in relation to the fertilizer? Yeah, in, in very dry areas that have not grown, like if, if you've put out like fertilizer and, you know, the cover that's on the paddock now is only six, seven hundred. Well, like that's only half a crop of grass and normally that we would require. And actually, it's a bit less than half for this time of year as we're building covers. So therefore, like, you know, you, there should be at least half that fertilizer still there from the last application. And if you look back, depending on your growth over the summertime, every farm will know farmer will know their own farm and how the farm has grown over the summertime. But if we just look at the, the national average, it's been below the average for the whole summer, really, you know. So there should be a build up, a good build up of background nitrogen, um, plus the stuff that went out maybe two to three weeks ago. I, I would think, you know, un, unless there's one or two paddocks on the farm that, that seem to be growing better because they're heavy, you know, most of the farm, um, you know, in terms of the response you're going to get, you know, it doesn't, it's not going to warrant a response uh, or sorry, warrant an application of fertilizer. Uh, 
Now, again, if it was if you go back maybe past sort of three weeks to four weeks, maybe five weeks ago, so some people put out their last round of fertilizer, you know, based on the rain that we might get over the next week, are you going to put some out? The answer would probably be yes, but a, a lighter amount. Uh, now, we can talk about this from a growing grass point of view and having grass from the autumn. And if we want to go behind it with the figures, we can see here that if we put out, um, it's this is based on 30 kilos of nitrogen going out. And it's based on, I think it's four years data previous to 2018. So 2018 is on the chart, but it's not the 2018 year. Yeah. Um, it's only the year it was published, but uh, it was cross locations. So grass dry matter yield response to fertilizer and nitrogen. It was up, I think, 27 for early August, about 19 for September, and it's about 10 for October, just for reference. We don't, we don't spread any in October, but just for reference. So it's basically, you know, dropping by 10 every month, your response, roughly, if you want to think of it that way. So we're, we're, we're getting into the first week of September already. You know, there's no moisture. We're waiting for moisture. So will the response, if we're talking about getting back to normal, we want a normal response from stuff spread in early September. So, you know, the, the best we could hope for would be sort of in around that 19 kilos of a response. You know, and we might not even get that, so we might even have to drop that back to about you know maybe fifteen, and we'll see the calculations is worth in a, in a in a second. So, so really, it's it's probably a case of anything that was spread, you know, you know, past three four weeks ago, you know, you'd probably be topping it up with a light application of maybe twenty units, twenty three units, uh, but anything that's been spread probably in the last two to three weeks, uh, and very little growth since, I would I wouldn't be I wouldn't be advising to spread again. Unless, unless the paddocks are growing well and again i'm talking about a dry situation just in case there's farmers in a different part of the country saying what's he talking about uh, i'm talking about farms where you know there's very little growth on the farms over the last three or four weeks so no no nitrogen utilization has been there basically is what you're talking about and like yeah exactly so just to run, quickly run through the cost of fertilizer if it's urea uh, it's obviously a bit cheaper, protected urea, a little bit dearer, and can is, is even dearer again. But look, roughly, it's about 213, if you're just using your normal urea, 213, 2 euro 13 per kilo of nitrogen to, to buy, you know, to buy a kilo of nitrogen. And if we're playing at 30 kilos, that's a rate of about 23 units or half a bag. Um, it's going to cost about 64 euro. Okay, so we'll just say 65 euro now to put out my half bag of urea. Okay. Um, and we're using protected urea, it's probably up to 70 euro for the same for the same amount. And that's not including any cost for spreading, it's just the cost of the product. Uh, and can is looking like it's over three euro a kilo, which would be bringing it up to nine, 90 euro a hectare. So actually spreading can this back end is definitely nearly out in terms of getting the response and making it worthwhile. Um, so look, uh, the return on value of the grass. So we know that the gra autumn grass is worth about 11 cent and normal normal circumstances we're not in normal circumstances at the moment prices have probably increased by about 40 percent therefore the value of autumn grass increased similarly so if we adjusted for that we're talking about 15 and a half cent per kilo and that's that's not that's not based in taking in the what the price of milk is or the price of beef that's just basically it's a feed displacement figure so i'm displacing silage and meal for grass this is what the grass value of grass is worth you know it's that much cheaper so if we resume, assume a response of 15 kilos, so remember I said about 19 for early September, we're assuming 15 because we're, we're, we're lower in moisture, et cetera. So we do the sum there. Basically, we're getting 70 euro of value worth of grass back. Okay. Yeah. And as we, if we look over back on the left-hand side, we can see if we're using urea, it's costing 65. So our, our protected urea is just about breaking even. So it's a, it's a break-even exercise, really spreading, spreading the fertilizer, Stuart. 
Um, but obviously, if you are maybe short on winter feed and stuff like that, that might come into it as well. But you know, I'd be going back to if I've spread the last two or three weeks, very little growth, I wouldn't be doing paddocks again. Uh, and if it's beyond that, I'd probably put on a light amount. Yeah. Okay, so I suppose... Um... <clears throat> Just to move on to the last bit because I'm conscious that you're going to have to go, John. There, yeah. um, just in terms of recommendations, and then John McCabe will pick it up, I suppose, after that. Now, there's actually a comment in here can people stop talking about trying to build cover when we're basically desperately looking for every blade of grass? But it's still an important point that, yeah. like, we have to have to acknowledge, okay, that talking about the targets there um, for the middle of September, etc., they're gone. Um, but we still have to kind of have to have some objective in terms of trying to get to maybe that first of October cover or as close as we can to to get to it in order to actually make sure we're going to have grass on the farm or some level of grass on the yeah. farm that we'll get some bit of grazing out of the month of October. Like I, I might let John run through those. Does John is John that target, Stuart? He can run through that. Well, sure. Because yeah, well, look, sure. for, for any farm that you're after describing there that's struggling. It could probably comes back to it's in the recommendations. We're probably talking about holding two 30 day rotations. So, one 30 day rotation now would bring us up roughly to the 1st of October. The other one would bring us out to the 1st of November. And whatever grass grows on that, hopefully, as much as possible. And we do get to, to build some cover to some extent. But whatever grass grows in that period, uh, basically, is, is uh, any, any, any extra grass will be a benefit and will displace any sort of silage or meal that has to be fed. But like, you know, if we can get up to a stage where we're grazing covers of 12, 13, 1400 again, like that'd be brilliant, you know, on, on farms that are struggling now. You know, I think any of them would take that. And we have to remember, like, there's a, there is a lot of countries still that that are growing well. Like Bally Hayes this week took out took out silage for because they were way ahead of their autumn target. So, you know, it, it's amazing for a little country how much variation there is. But I might let John come back to the targets maybe. Yeah, grand. Yeah, sure. You um, do you need to jump off there, so? Yeah, uh, yeah. So just look, uh, I can quickly run through this. Setting up the farm for thirty day rotation. I think we all sort of know this. So it's it's not based on looking backwards. So it's not where did I graze a month ago. It's it's if you have a thirty hectare block, you split it into thirty and graze one hectare a day, and whatever else you need to feel in the interim to feed to feed that, you put it in at whatever whatever sort of way silage meal other other alternative uh, meals of forages as well. Um, you know, for a lot of a lot of farms and eggs, it's going to be a case of a third, a third, a third, or six kilos of meal, six silage, six grass, or it might be something like four meal, eight silage, six grass. Is sort of at the moment, you know, I'm probably holding there for the next couple of weeks. That if we do get rain, it might it might uh, grow some grass for us. Um, but look, I coming back to the the fodder budget. You know, if you're you know, a lot of people, sure, will have used their month reserve of silage before they even get to the winter this year. So if you only have a month reserve of silage, I, I would be looking at other options now. I wouldn't be waiting um, because you don't know what the, the other end of the thing would be. OK, yeah. uh, definitely have options because, you know, you might there's no point leaving it to the last minute. Right. Um, you can be sure that a lot of farms are going to feed probably four to eight kilos of silage for the next couple of months. In a lot of, in a lot of cases, just and even hold that 30 day rotation. OK, so I'd be banking on nearly the equivalent of two or three more weeks of full sort of silage, if you like, on some farms uh, in, in the Leinster South region as well, in Cork as well and stuff like that. So um, look, look at the options, you know, bringing grazing ground back in, drying off some cows, maybe sell some cows, whatever it has to be. It's going to be back to, you know, not what the milk price is. It could be back to how much feed do I have on the farm, really? Yeah. So 
Um, I'll leave you go, John, and uh, switch to you, John McKay, because I suppose you have a, a similar story, but different in, in one way, maybe, John. That, uh, and thanks to John Douglas for coming on there. Thanks, um, Thanks. But you're like, so, John, you're saying, we'll say you've had good growth. And actually, so you can pick up on a point here now, Brendan Healy's just asked, with average farm cover so low now, uh, which is some, you're seeing some of that, but not a lot of it compared to what John Douglas is seeing there. Uh, and with the expected bounce predicted to get growth up to average growth for the time of year, are we actually looking at having to supplement heavy with silage and ration for the rest of the year to extend out grazing season and keep grass in the diet? And that's coming back to that person's point earlier as well about trying, to, we're talking about trying to build cover and there's nearly no grass on some farms at the minute and might be getting under some people's skins. But in reality, we're trying to trying to promote that there will be some level of grazing going on. So will you tell tell us what's the scenario in the West and, and what are you seeing and what are you, you advising up there now at the minute? Yeah, so um look it's a it's variable, but I think that's normal. Um so we've got some farms that are starting to slow down a little bit, but typically um we're growing in the fifties to sixties. So I don't really want to pit the west against the east and the south here and say everything's rosy up here, but um things things are fairly normal if i could just come back to the point um to pick up on a point that uh that one one of the attendees has just asked there about average farm covers being so low now uh, and maybe looking about uh supplementing silage and meal for the rest of the year uh, like i i would i definitely um support the idea of even going even even in a bit harder when the when the rain does come and if we get about bouncing growth to try and get your average farm covers built up. And, and I know we have another attendee saying stop talking about building covers, but it really will be worth it uh, um, based on what we saw in 2018 in, in that the utilisation will be should be very good for for that kind of autumn period if if, if and when the rain comes. Um, and it's just you, you want to keep grass in the diet, keep, keep protein up and um, keep cows out of the shed basically and 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 look it a little bit of, or hard feeding when the rain when the rain and the growth does come will actually pay itself back um uh, by by the measure of two or three times in terms of silage fed or silage saved if you can uh, put in the silage and, and drop your demand when the growth comes but yeah look back back up to the west um look we're probably growing in around between 55 and, and 65 as i said variable enough in that some farms are I've I've seen growth rates of of thirties and and forties and then and similarly um one of our uh, focus farmers there on the Arivo joint program grew 105 last week an unprecedented growth um he was actually behind in target uh, and had to put in a bit of feeding and he just got this um freak growth but I suppose it it kind of comes back to the idea of autumn grass um that it you have to to extend out the rotation length. There's a, there's a reason we st we try to aim for 30 days and and not continue on a 21 day rotation and that is that the leaf uh, that third leaf takes a lot longer to come out in in the autumn when when the day lengths get shorter they come, uh, you get a leaf that, um, on the grass plant come out every seven days in in the summertime that's why we're on a 21 day round whereas in in the autumn and I suppose look I think there's probably um while our while the scenario is good up here in terms of we're growing 50s to 60s it's normal there's probably a half to two thirds of farms that are behind target in terms of where they are for the 
where they should be at for, for, for this day of the year. So kind of looking at my own pasture base and who I'm connected to, you're t- kind of talking average farm covers of around 800 is kind of where we're at. So two, 250 or 260 a cow with stocking rates at 300. So or, or stocking rates at three. So um, look, that's that's obviously a completely different scenario to what's happening on in other large swaths of the country. Um, however, that doesn't take away from the fact that this is a national podcast and and we, the farmers across my territory, uh, there's a risk of not hitting targets too. So I think I'm talking to, I was t- just talking to a few farmers this morning and, and they're starting to introduce a bit of silage uh, and a bit of zero graze grass to try and get the, to, to slow the cows down to get that rotation length out. And I think John's advice there on the, on the 30 day rotation is extremely, it's good. Like two, two 30 day rounds, keep it simple. Um, does, I think that, that applies no matter what part of the country you're in. Yeah, so John, I suppose you kind of you're half fed into it now, but the 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 comment has been made there. Would you recommend taking cows off the grazing platform uh, when if the weather does come to start driving on the growth, and that person is a farm cover of a four hundred at the minute? Like, so I suppose just just to explain the process to people. So we're looking at we have a demand issue, obviously that we can't supply the demand at the moment with graze grass. You're saying that if we start to get growth. Um, potentially, you're talking about feeding hard now. This person is asking to actually take them off completely and feed them full time inside. Uh, what's your thinking on that one? Um, I look at. I think it depends on where your stocking rate is on the platform, um, and what what you're able to do with that. Um, the first place I would look would be uh, doing a milk recording and pulling out any cow that doesn't have the potential to milk much for the rest of the year. I think we all have them. And they, I think they need to go straight away. And, and then after that, maybe back to your question then, Stuart, on on, on putting them in, let's say, um, maybe not as extreme as putting them in, but that's that's the thinking, that, that you really, really have to slow them down. And especially the later it gets into September, um, the, the slower that third leaf is going to emerge on, on the grass plant. And and that means that that means we really have to let allow the, uh, try and allow, like, uh, attempt to get the pre-grazing up to over fourteen or fifteen hundred to allow any any normalish growths to happen for the rest of the year. So yeah, look, it's it's about it's about really slowing down. Um, is it, I suppose you re- you would want to watch in terms of your fodder reserves, and I think John Douglas's point about doing a fodder uh, budget is, is is critical. It's not nice to have. It's actually it's essential to have. Is that's extremely important. Yeah, um, so there's just a point there from Martin DC and Carrigline now as well, just about to set the, maybe using a sacrifice paddock or something like that. Um, so that would be tying in with maybe locking locking them up as such nearly and feeding hard for the two weeks. We'll say so. I suppose the concept there that people are looking at is maybe if you're growing fifty. And you have a demand of zero, basically. You're going to multiply farm cover by quite rapidly, potentially, in that scenario. So there's a little bit of a, there is a positive, there's an argument for it. But the the challenge is like um, the sacrifice paddocks and locking cows into the shade in the month of September in in a month that we're hoping will be grotty. It could be a bit of a a tricky one in terms of um, you're basically going to have to go into full winter mode and liming cubicles and cows inside etc running scrapers very frequently to make sure that milk quality will stay stay right as well um, and that you won't have a, an absolute storm of mastitis maybe breaking out there like so there's a bit of a fine balance there and and john you're probably more in favor of rather than the sacrifice paddock maybe just a very small portion of grass every day 
keeping the lid on the demand and letting the growth do its thing, basically. I, I think another simple thing that has emerged over the last um the last couple of years, the last five or six years, is that um some farms will just keep two rows in the shed or a row in, in the shed or two rows in the shed. Um uh, and and it'll be a different row. It might be the first row this today, it could be the the last row tomorrow, it could be one in the middle. Uh next and so that's obviously depending on the size of your herd, but it's a it's a, a portion of your cows. If you're if you want to really really slow down your demand or slow down your rotation length and and drop your demand uh, without fully housing the herd and having to maybe if you're overstocked in your in your cubicle shed that you kind of understock your cubicle shed so that there isn't a ma- major risk of mastitis and um it's it's at that time of year and that you can just keep them in at night or that there's cer- there's certain um, yeah, you're just manipulating it, your demand in different manipulating ways. Manipulating like your so. demand, but and it, yeah. it's actually very simple. Yeah, and uh, I suppose the beauty there is that not, they're not all full-time silage then either. So like you said earlier about constituents staying up and so forth, that's going to have a contributory factor there. And feed space is probably a challenge sometimes on, on farms because we're, maybe farms are set up with the idea that they're going to be grazing grass, obviously, and not, not overly concerned about having to buffer or anything like that. So the the idea of maybe swapping cows around and so forth, and it's very easily done, as you said, just keep the last row, a couple of rows in, depending on what you're trying to do. It could be two rows, three rows, four rows, whatever, depends on how many rows you have, et cetera. And they're just the first cows that go into the parlour the next milking, and they go to grass, and the last couple of rows are the, the rows that are kept in the next time, and you're kind of, you know, there could be some cows there that get, so it could end up maybe depending on the way they'd fall into the collecting yard in terms of pecking order could end up on silage full time, but there could be cows that'll be on grass full time too. Like by and la- by and large, it'll be it'll be a mix and and it's it's a kind of a simple way of doing it. And actually, when you start when talking to farmers who have done it, they they find it it doesn't add much time at all. It's it's actually you know and it's easy on the cows that are in and the and the cows that are out get more grass. So or, or at least you're building grass on the farm. Um, just I suppose one point um from just I'm I'm currently in our, the Chagas office in Stranola in County Donegal, and. We, like ground conditions are absolutely excellent for this time of year for Connacht and Ulster. Um, we're looking at uh, growth prediction next of next week for fi- of fifty nine, and that's fairly accurate o- over the last number of weeks. Um, so look, somewhere in the fifties to sixties is what we're looking at in terms of growth. Uh, I still it 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 it, it supports um, putting in some silage. Uh, meals are probably have increased already, so putting in some silage uh, to to try and build up that rotation length and and stretch out the grass there's a fear i suppose in, in some parts of the west of ireland that when the rain does come um and it's a warranted fear in in, in places but when the rain does come uh ground conditions get awful and we won't be able to utilize the grass but i think we're starting in a great position here now um and if we can get out to that 30 day round basically count up how many days you've uh, or how many acres you've grazed over the last couple of days and and figure out how many acres a day that is and, and divide your your acres on the milk platform by the by the acres per day you're grazing and, and that will give you your rotation length uh, i had a group yesterday so, uh, some people were on a rotation length of still of 20 days and and finding it hard to build grass so like it's it's probably normal in that we've about half to two thirds that aren't hitting the target and and so i suppose advice for the people of of connacht and ulster is is if walk your farm 
uh, see where you are in terms of pre-grazing yield. Uh, and also, look, if, you're, if your rotation length is at them below 25 days or below 27 or 8 days at this stage, you, you need to introduce more silage. Um, and if, if it's a case of doing a milk recording and getting rid of the, the, the kind of the cows that are, don't have the potential to do much more milk for the rest of the year, that's, that's another option. So, yeah, John, I suppose we'll just wrap it up now. Um, final point there, Kevin Keller, I was just asking, um, is September grass in the diet not more beneficial than feeding it later on when it's full of water and cows are nearly dry? So that's one that I'm sure you're often challenged with and even probably challenged more since you went further north than when you used to be down around the south, maybe. But uh, So ground conditions, obviously, as Kevin is saying, can become a challenge. But at the same time, like from the, from the question it's almost saying like would you just not eat it now in September because it's going to be no good till later in the year is that the case uh, I I don't think so I think it, it still supports getting cows out getting getting um look just for for even even the health benefits from having the herd out uh, by day but but look the 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 diet if you can get grass into the diet your your protein is going to be your constituents are going to be much better um and look I think that it supports doing it this year uh as as we're looking at good milk prices uh it'd be it'd be a shame not to be able to capitalize fully on that if by having cows in the shed from the 5th of October until whatever time next year so yeah no definitely uh the the, the science is still the same on the on the on what grass can do for you in the autumn okay super John we'll wrap it up with that um look folks uh I we're going to because, because of the situation I'm going to kind of leave it a bit uh, fluid for next week and I haven't nailed down a topic yet just yet because we just want to try to be able to react maybe to situations to cater for people's needs if we can at all um, so we'll just leave it open as to what we're going to pick up on next week. I'd like to thank John Douglas and John McKay for joining me there this morning. And just for people that are in the kind of the casual area, tipper area, if, you're, if you happen to be tuned in this morning, there's a, a contract rearing walk on at Noel Farrell's in Golden this morning at 11 o'clock. If people wanted to pop over to that, there'll be plenty of information from Gordon and the, the local advisors there in relation to contract rearing if people are interested in it, which may be something that people may have to consider in relation to nitrates and so forth into the future so look sure, if, if you're given a plug I, I might give a plug to two events we have up here no, you're not in, allowed to give plugs <laughs> in 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 uh up up in up in the west so on the 13th of september tuesday the 13th of september we have a uh, focus farmer walk in in tim kelly's we'll be looking at um uh we'll be looking at labor and lameness as well as tim kelly's performance and then on the 15th uh, over in Westmead, the 15th of September, we were out with Joe McLaughlin, who's done a massive transition into Clover this year. Uh, and Donald Patton from Ballyhays is going to come up and have a chat through uh, Joe's transition this year. So two good events coming up if anyone is in, in either Galway or Westmead. Okay, super stuff. Thanks, uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in this morning and uh, we wish you well for the week. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, thanks again and stay firm and everybody. That's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and thanks for listening.